Now, I'm in a series called Unstuck. Uh, last week, we kicked it off. Uh, really, probably one of the, to me, one of the most uh, passionate messages and series that I've ever been a part of. I, I just sense that God uh, really has something for His people. And the reason we called it Unstuck is because, you, you know, in life we get stuck. There are things that are going to happen. But, I mean, you know, with the corona, the corona gotcha. That's what my kids say, corona gotcha. You know, with, with the coronavirus, it's almost as if that being stuck was accelerated. It's, it's almost as if some of the things that even especially as Christians that I've talked to, it's like God saved you. God delivered you. God put you on a different path in your life. But then you found yourself, maybe over the last five months, going back to some things that you were freed from in the past. Doing some things that you used to do that God delivered you from. Thinking some things that you used to think but God delivered you from. And being the person that you used to be. You know what I mean? You just kind of slip back into the old habits and hurts and pains and thoughts and so I felt this series that God really put it on my heart because it's a setup. God's setting us up that where the enemy attacks the greatest is the place where he knows God's about to move in a supernatural way. And I believe that that's what breakthrough is all about. I asked Vanessa to sing that song at the end today because breakthrough is really where one opposing force breaks through the barrier of another opposing force. And so the force of God, the force of good is fighting against the forces of evil and the devil. And I hope everybody knows that, right? There's only two kingdoms. It's God and the devil. So you're either on God's side or you're not. There is no neutral position. And when the enemy knows that a breakthrough is about to take place, do you think he's going to sit by passively and just say, oh God, just go ahead, do your revival thing? Just go on. Just, no, no. The devil's going to put up a fight. And this is what I know about the devil. The devil is not original, but he is effective. He does know the propensities that each of us have in our hearts. And so think about this. You were tempted in places through corona that you ain't been tempted in in a long time. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody didn't say amen. You just, you just sit there quietly and we go. You, you, it's the truth. And so people say, well, corona caused me to get a divorce. Corona caused it. No, no, corona didn't cause nothing. It simply revealed what was already there. There were some fault lines. There were some cracks that were already there. And so it exposes the areas of weakness. And so you can do this. You can say, I'm going to be a victim. Or you can say, hey, that's great. I didn't realize that was there. But God, now it's time to deal with it. God, we're going to address this. We're going to focus on this. And you may have messed up. You may have fallen back. But I came to bring you hope. You're not stuck. God's not done with you. God's got a lot more for you to do in your future. The devil is defeated. And so don't allow yourself. Look, look ain't nobody judging you. Listen, I'm just grateful God forgave me. So we were talking to that couple, and they, one of the things they said, you know, uh, Nicole said, you know, just it seemed kind of judgy, judgy. They went to church uh, way back, you know, years ago and hadn't been. And, 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 you know, we just, we're not really church people. And, and I just thought, you know, we're not religious either because that's what religion does. It judges you based on the external. No, no, baby, we're Christ followers, and Christ doesn't call us to judge your sin Christ calls us to raise up the champion from within. You are already made righteous. So we speak to the good that's inside of you. 
2 Corinthians 5, 21 says you were made the righteousness of God. There was an exchange. Christ on the cross took your sin nature and in return gives you his nature so you don't live out of the old person. When you are saved, when you are raised to life spiritually, there is an exchange. He takes the old nature, you get a new nature. So you are already perfect. You are already manifested on the inside who God's called you to be. Now you got to manifest it on the outside. Now you just live out who you already are. So when you know that's who I am, I'm not living. Look, I may have made a mistake, but that's not who I am. And so this whole Unstuck series is getting people unstuck and, and helping us to realize, look, be, being stuck and being stranded are two totally different things. You might have been stuck, but stranded is hopeless. You're not hopeless. You keep coming to the place where God's going to inspire you, equip you, and empower you to move life forward. And so I want to dive right in to the book of Acts 27 and 28. This is really the passage that we're going to be in for the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure how long this series is going to go. I keep feeling the Lord speaking to me more and more about it. So we're just going to take a ride. And we're just going to say, okay, God, whatever you want to say. And so someone will say, how long is it going to be? I don't know. Till you get it, I guess. <laughs> you better get it. Acts 27 and 28 is the, the story of the Apostle Paul and when he gets shipwrecked on the island of Malta. Now, Paul was a prisoner, uh, and so there were some governors and a king that were talking to him and interviewing him when he was a prisoner, and he made an appeal to Caesar. And so now that they were questioning him, they said, well, you made an appeal to Caesar. Now you got to go to Rome. you got to go to Caesar. And so Paul, as a prisoner, is being transported to Italy so he can make it to Rome, and in this journey, he finds himself out in the sea, and there's a terrible storm that happens. Now, Paul had warned them, hey, you shouldn't go. We should stay in this harbor. It's safe. But they didn't listen to Paul, and they went out. And for 14 days, that ship was battered and beaten, and they found themselves in the middle of a storm. They didn't eat for 14 days. They all thought they were going to die. Just a terrible, terrible storm. And then I love uh, what Paul does in, in the midst of that on about day 14. An angel gives him a vision and says, Paul, don't worry. You're not going to lose your life. But I have a plan. God said, you're going to make it to speak to Caesar in Rome. And so here's what we know. In the middle of your storm, aren't you glad that God will speak a word of truth? So God spoke a word of truth to Paul. So his confidence is up. He walks over to him and says, look, I told you you shouldn't have. Come on. Anybody ever, I told you so? Anybody I told you so? Yeah, look to your spouse and say, you know, you always try to tell me so. Come on, somebody. You, so I told you so. Paul had that, that, that mentality and that, that attitude and, you know, uh, probably just, just, just a little frustrated. Come on, after 14 days of being stranded on sea, I'd be a little frustrated as well. So he tells them, listen, if you stay with me, nobody will lose their life. So long story short, they stay with Paul, but the ship runs aground. It's beaten and battered. And they're finding themselves on the shore of this island called Malta. And we pick up on verse 1 in chapter 28, and it says, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us, all because it was raining and it was cold. How many are glad for the hospitality of people? Come on, let me ask you again. How many are glad for the hospitality of people? That when you're stranded, people, God sends them your way to show some favor, some kindness, some hospitality. Well, this is where Paul finds himself. And so Paul is going and he gathers a pile of brushwood. And as he puts the wood on the fire, a viper, poisonous snake, 
crawls out and jumps at him and bites him. And now we see Paul is sitting here with a snake fastened on his hands. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. How many know haters are going to hate, hate, hate? That's what Reverend Swift said. Come on, somebody. Just going to hate, hate, hate. Well, how many know some people like to kick you when you're down? Not bad enough I'm stranded, I'm shipwrecked, not bad enough I got bit by a snake. Now you're going to tell me why I got bit by this snake. And so look, they say he must be a murderer, they, for, for he thought he escaped from the sea, but the goddess of justice has not allowed him to live. And check out verse 5, it says, Paul shook the snake off into the fire, and I love this next thing, and suffered no ill effect. How many know the enemy can try to bite you, try to kill you, try to steal and destroy, but you learn to shake that off? That enemy has got no power in your life. God will protect you, God will cover you, and God will raise you up. It says, then the people expected him to swell up. Don't, don't live up to other people's expectations. I don't live up to others' expectations. I don't care what you expect. I know what God has said. Suddenly, fall dead is what they were expecting. It says, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. And later it goes on. Paul actually prays for the leader of the island's dad who was sick, had dysentery. And that man is healed. And then we know in the rest of the story that all the islanders who were sick came to Paul so that he would pray for them. And we know ultimately they were healed. And God used this moment. God used Paul to bring revival into this village and into this island. And then we know what happens at the end of, of this passage is that, that we talked about it last week. When they were ready, the Bible said. When they were ready, they sailed. When they were ready. So I talked about a message last week and called, Are You Ready? God's ready. The question is, are you ready? Because he's ready when you're ready. And, and then we talked a little bit about, look, you'll be stuck, but you're not stranded. Come on. And that delay doesn't mean denied. Some of you are sitting here and you've allowed a delay to become a deny. And God is not done with you yet. Now today, I want to focus on verse 5. I already kind of gave you the foreshadowing of it. But I love this portion where it says, Paul was bitten by a snake. And then it says, look, but Paul shook off the snake. Turn to your neighbor and say, shake it off. Come on, say, turn to the other one, your second choice, the one you don't really like. Tell them, say, shake it off. I really like you too. And then smile real big because you know it's probably not true. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. I always think that song, shake it like a Polaroid. Now I know I'm old school. Come on, somebody. Who was, oh, Outcast. Wasn't that Outcast? All the old people, come on. That's. I told somebody the other day, Days of Thunder. How many remember that movie, Days of Thunder? Yeah, they said, we, it, was, it was our leadership team. They're all 30-somethings. I said, Days of Thunder. They're like, what are you talking about? So if you said, what are you talking about, you just, you don't know. You're not cool. You're not popular because everybody in the know knows what Days of Thunder is. Come on, somebody. They, remember Tom Cruise? Anyway, God, I don't know what just happened. Just come back. Get it, Lord. So he shook it off. I mean, imagine this, this, this whole scenario. I mean, it's been a tough day for Paul. It's actually been a tough month, a tough couple of weeks. He finds himself shipwrecked. Then he's just trying to get some sticks. And this is what I love about it. Paul wasn't even lazy. 
Paul was a part of the dream team. Why? Because he was out there helping others get warm. And that's what the dream team do. They're out there sacrificing and serving and giving and doing things that are hard. And so you can imagine Paul's a part of the dream team. It's like, I'm a, I should just sit down, but I'm going to go get some wood. So he gets some wood, and he throws it on, doing something good, and a snake bites him. I'm like, come on, somebody. You know what I mean? And then, and then he's like shaking it off, and the viper comes off. And, and it's not bad enough that he got bit by a snake, but check it out. Then the haters are hating. Right? I mean, so it's like, man, my God, here you are. You're kicking me when I'm down. And what we know is that because Paul didn't allow himself to stay stuck but shook it off, God turned a shipwreck into revival. Think about what would have happened had he gotten offended and frustrated and mad and angry and said, look, you don't know who I am. I am the apostle Paul. I'm God's chosen. I am the one that is writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Right? Because we feel self-righteous. We feel good about what we, you don't know what kind of a Christian I am. No, no, just shut your mouth and shake it off. And because he shut his mouth and he shake it off, there was revival that came to an island. And what we see is that God will take your pain and give it purpose. That God took this moment and gave it purpose. And here's why. When you go back and read it, because I know every one of you are going to go back and read Acts 28, because you, you should. You shouldn't take my word. You ought to go in and find it for yourself. But what we know is that because Paul was bitten by the snake, because Paul didn't believe the haters, because Paul shook it off, it gave them credibility. They said he must be a God. Now, Paul wasn't a God, but he was standing. He was speaking. He was living on behalf of the one true living God. God, and because of that, he had influence with the leader of the island. Your pain will give you influence if you walk through it correctly. If you just shut your mouth, shake it off, and just keep doing what God's called you to do, I think sometimes you ruin your credibility because you run your mouth. Uh, I know I'm meddling. I'm sorry. Help me, Lord. It's like this pressure cooker sitting on a stove. You know, you ever... Got the little whistle on it. And so what it does, that little whistle lets the pressure out. Well, God said, baby, you're not in a, in a little thing, a pot on the stove. You're in a crock pot, baby. I ain't taking that lid off because I'm working on the inside. And when you take the lid off a crock pot, you know you're in trouble. Come on, how many of you men took the lid off a crock pot and your wife said, don't do that. You're going to mess it up. It ain't going to be done on time. Come on, somebody, your wife, slap your hands. You know, God just slap your hand. No, 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 don't talk. That pressure cooker is doing something on the inside of you. Hold on. Look, it's going to give you credibility if you'll just hold on. And let me show you Romans chapter 8, verse 20. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So look, man, we love God. We're called according to his purpose. Everything that happens in our life, God is so amazing. God is so powerful. God is so great. He will turn that around. The devil thought he had you, but God says, baby, it's a setup. I'm bringing you back. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Sometimes it looks like you got to go backwards, but I'm in the backwards. I'm just launching you out just like a slingshot. I got to pull you back. So if you'll close your mouth, if you'll guard your heart, if you allow yourself to say, God is working, I'll do it. I know it's hard to shake it off when you've been hurt. 
You know, some of you, maybe your, your husband cheated on you. It's painful. Some of you, your wife might have left you. Some of you, your business, you, you submitted it to God. You did everything you thought was right and somehow it shut down. Some of you take good care of your employees and they're the same ones that have robbed you blind. Your best friend cheated on you or, 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 or caused you, betrayed you, took your boyfriend, took your girlfriend. So you got all these things that are happening. You know, it's not fair. They got promoted and I did. I got all the credentials I put in all the time. Your kids don't appreciate you. Come on, somebody. And so you, you start to say, I'm, I'm carrying all this pain, I'm carrying all this hurt. But what we see with Paul is that God took his pain and turned it into purpose, but only when Paul surrendered the pain that he was experiencing. See, the problem with us is we don't want to surrender what we're holding on to, but if you want God to redeem it, you've got to be willing to surrender it. So you want to hold on because it feels good. It feels good to, to, it feels good to be justified in the way I treat you. Feels good to hold on to that and say, no, no, I know you, you did me wrong. I'm going to do you wrong. No, look, if someone does you wrong, the Bible says love those who hate you. Look, pray for those who persecute you. Look, we do good to those who do evil to us. And so when we recognize, look, they don't even know. Look, those people don't even know that the enemy is using them. And so Paul had to let it go. And the best way you let it go, I felt like Queen Elsa, let it go. Come on, where's Raylan? Somebody do, that was terrible. That was a terrible Queen Elsa. Let it go. Somebody sing it out. Let me hear it. Oh, look, y'all. That's moment ready right there. Y'all moment ready for Queen Elsa. Somebody say, how do you let it go, Pastor? This is how you let it go. You forgive them. What do you mean forgive them? Look, they, they, they don't deserve my forgiveness. No, no, no. Look, forgiveness is not about what they deserve. Forgiveness is all about you. Some of you are trapped because you won't let go of the pain. See, you keep holding on to it and thinking, look, if I, if I forgive them, that lets them off the hook. No, forgiveness doesn't let them off the hook. Forgiveness allows you to move forward. Some of you didn't realize unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. They done moved on. They've done gone their way, and you are stuck here dying on the inside. Just drinking the poison of unforgiveness. Just sipping it down. Letting that haterade get all up in you. And you say, God, I want you to do it, but you won't submit to his process. Oh, God, I want to give you my life, but you won't give him what he's asking for. If you'll give him the pain, if you'll give him that moment, if you'll give him what's on the inside of your heart and say, God, I release it and I release them, I promise you God will take that pain and he's going to turn it into purpose. What the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, God will accelerate. God will give you promotion. God will give you influence. God will allow you to do the supernatural. Because what's in you is more important than what happens to you. What's in me? What's in me? God, what's, what's in me? Is it offense, anger, bitterness? See, we've been judging everybody else, blaming. Well, I, I would if they. They don't believe in me. They didn't give me a chance. If I had a car, I could. If I, it's all these things if you knew where I came from. And the problem with that is that's a victim mentality. Victims look at the external. Champions look at the internal. I don't care what I do or don't have. I know the God that has me. And because he has me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Prosper. 
I said, I don't matter. Go on, devil. It's just a setup. The greater the pain, the greater the promise, the greater the power, the greater the dream. I've seen it time and time again. It's amazing to see what God will do. Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinks within himself, his heart, so is he. It's an amazing passage. Think about this. As you think, so are you. You are the builder of your life. Oh, no, God. No, God's the master builder. Come on, somebody. But God ain't going to step out of heaven and do it all for you. God is a partner, the master builder and the builder, working together to build God's blueprint. Otherwise, you're building the enemy's blueprint. You are the builder. Even the Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius, he said this. And look, he, he, he wouldn't, look, look at his words. We become what we think about. He understood it. Every great leader, they don't agree about a lot of things, but every great leader agrees about this. What you think about is what you become. You're not stuck because of what happened outside, but you're stuck because of what happens inside. It's all about your thoughts. So here would be my question, what do you think about? 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 Oh, pastor, I don't know what I think about. I don't even, some men, I don't even know if I got a thought. You and your nothing box. Hey, anybody there? No, no. What do you think about? Nothing. What do you mean? Nothing. I think you think about something. Nope. Nothing. Check this out. There's a study that, that I read. National Science Foundation did a study. The average person has twelve to 60,000 thoughts in a day. I knew you had a lot of thoughts. But as I began to study this out, look at what else they said. They said, of those thousands of thoughts, they estimate 80% of them are negative. 80% are negative. And then look at this, 95% were the same repetitive thoughts you had yesterday. 95%. Why am I stuck? Because 80% is negative. Oh, well, you know, Pastor, I just, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. No, no, I'm not asking you if you agree. you got to understand the word didn't ask your opinion. It says, as you think, so are you. God didn't have to check with you to see if you agree. You're living what his word already said. So whatever you're living right now, it's because of what you were thinking yesterday. Yeah, no, I don't need you to agree. I'm telling you. You don't like your, your life? Well, I wonder if we can... Get into God's word and even this whole series. Next week, oh, I'm so fired. You think I'm fired up the last two weeks? Next week's going to be amazing. I'm telling you, I'm giving you some stuff next week that's going to be life-changing. But look, so think about the negative thoughts. I, thought, I was just trying to think of some of the negative thoughts. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Here's the thought. Life's not fair. I'm poor. I'm uneducated. If, if you only knew my background and my parents, I mean, we'll never, never amount to anything. People don't like me. Well, you know what? If you believe people don't like you, ain't nobody going to like you. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. I'm always going to be alone. Nobody will ever spend the rest of their life with me. I'm all used up. I'm all worthless. I'm old. Look, God birthed. A nation out of a hundred-year-old man. 
Don't tell me God can't birth a dream out of someone who is older. Phyllis, I love you guys. I love my whole crew. It comes from the Dell Webb community. I know they're watching online. Look, I tell them all the time, look, get your hopes up, get your dreams up. Maybe the reason why you've got no energy is because you got no dream. you got nothing worth living for, nothing worth investing your life in. It's not about just coming to church. It's about being the church. Think about the positive things you could think about. So if we think about 80% negative, the other 20% has to be positive because there are no neutral thoughts. Right, there's nothing neutral. It's going to life or death, life or death. And so let's just assume the other 20% are life statements. You came to church, Pastor Jim's preaching good, so you got your little tweetable statements, and you go read your Bible, you get a few things, 20% of your time. What do you think? You think, look, I can. God loves me. I'm a champion. I'm a connector with God. I mean, you just begin to say, I'm wealthy. Well, Pastor, that's just unrealistic. You can look at my bank account. God ain't looking at your bank account. He don't care about how little's in that bank account. You serve a God who has unlimited resources, and the only thing that stopped him is you. Well, I don't agree, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, every time he tried to bless you, you felt unworthy. Every time he tried to bless you, you just sabotaged the blessing. And because you think you're poor, you begin to position yourself as a poor person. But if you would change your thinking, one of the greatest things, so here's my challenge. Um, it's funny, yesterday, uh, Nicole said, well, you know, we, we're not really church people. And I thought, I wasn't a church person either. I'm not really. I, I, it's very funny because when I was 20 years old, there's two things that I said. Number one, I'll never be a pastor. I have no idea why I said that. I just said, I told Phyllis, we were 20, 22 years old, I said, I would hate to be a pastor to, to pastor people week in and week out, talk to them. I mean, that'd get real boring. And now, here's the funny thing. I don't even want to travel. I tell, pe tell people no all the time. Why? Because this is my house. This is my place. I came to raise up an army to disciple Christians, to be the, the people God's called. Because when you are who God's called you to be, then we can change the world. But I find it hilarious. It's always something I think back. So don't ever tell God, I ain't never moving to Africa. Ooh, you better watch it. I ain't never. Don't ever say that. Just... Try to use trick psychology with God. Say, I'll never, whatever you want, right? I'll never be rich. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. Second thing was I was going to be a million, millionaire by the age of 35. And God has such a sense of humor. I'm an entrepreneur at spirit, heart. You know, 21, we had a real estate investment company. We had a restaurant. We did, we just entrepreneurial in our hearts. And so it's so funny, at 35, I wasn't a millionaire. I started a church. I'm like, all right, God, maybe I'm going to be wealthy up in heaven. Come on, somebody. But it's the positive. I can. Okay. And that what Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need to stop saying I can't and start saying I can. In fact, our family has a saying, the Kyle's, all my Kyle's clan. We say, when someone says can't, we always say, hey, baby, Kyle's can. Kyle's can't. Don't say, because when you think you can, it's not can I, it's how do we. How do I become who you've called me to be? How do I birth that dream? How do I start that business? How do I become a tither? How do I go out and lay hands on the sick and see them recover? How do I become a fully devoted follower of Christ? How do I become a person who people love and gives loves to others? See, you begin to find that when you say how, God takes you on the process and the journey to become. What I've learned is your focus determines your future. And that's what Paul realized 
look, I, I'm not going to focus on the negative. I'm going to focus on my God. And eventually what you focus on becomes your reality. Focus on the negative, you're going to become negative. You're going to have a bad life. You focus on the positive, you'll become positive and have a good life. See, the world says it, and we kind of want to discount it because of all these motivational speakers. But listen, they're just practicing God's law. You don't have to be a believer for God's law to work. You just got to believe it. And so we want to say, oh, that's that self-helps. No, baby, the foundation is the word of God, and it absolutely works. Look, you don't have to believe in gravity, but go jump off a building and see if it works. Why? Because it's a natural law. There are laws that govern the kingdom. So positive thinking is not something out there that's new age. It's biblically grounded and founded. And it's amazing how something as little as a thought could have such a big impact in your life. I realized this a little bit more, how little things can make a big difference this last week. Uh, I was heading to the office, the Fort Bend Dream Center. I was coming from a doctor's appointment, coming from Sugar Land and driving down Redding Road, and right there at Redding Road in 2218, and I mean, I'm excited. Everything's going well. Now, I'm driving my truck. Um, I love my truck. It's got a lift on it. It's a Ford. Come on, somebody. Got some big tires, some big rims, and you know, I feel pretty good in my, my Ford truck. It ain't no Chevy. It ain't no Dot. No, <laughs> it's a Ford, and I love it. So I, I find myself just kind of, you know, I'm like, woo. So I enjoy driving. I'm listening to my motivational stuff and just spending time with God. Well, I get to the red light, and all of a sudden, my, my front wheels go, and it freezes up. And I start skidding into the, 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 the light. And I'm like, what in the world has just happened to my truck? So I'm sitting here thinking, my God. And then, you know, the embarrassment. You ever had a car that, that acted crazy on you? Maybe the, the, the engine stalled on you or something. You just, I've had those cars. We, we had a car, Mama, I ain't going to tell on you, but we had a station wagon. We used to have to push. Come on, push it. Mom would pop the clutch. It wasn't no karate kid. It was the Kyle's kids. We were out there just <laughs> pop that clutch. You know, anybody ever found yourself in a funny situation? So I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm like, I'm pastor, I can't, what, I, I'm sure enough, some Anchor Bend person, what's wrong with pastor's truck? A bunch of haters start haterating. No, I'm just, so here we are. So I'm like, what is that? Push the gas, it wouldn't go anywhere? I'm like, did the transmission just go out? The tire's so big that the transmission dropped? My God. So I'm freaking out. I'm stressing, the light's going to change any moment, and I'll be that guy that everybody starts honking at. Cars are piling up on me, you know what I mean? And I'm not even looking at my phone like all of you who people honk at. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I legitimately have a technical problem, mechanical failure. And I'm sitting there. Well, I pushed the gas. It wouldn't go nowhere, so I pushed it harder. Come on. I ain't getting stuck like a punk. So I'm like, I pushed the gas. And it, I'm like, Jesus, help me. And I'm thinking, okay, I got two options. I can sit here and look stupid, or I can push the gas and just go for it. I'm like, what would Phyllis do? <laughs> what would Phyllis do? Phyllis would go for it. Come on. When you get to it, you got to gun it. Just resonating up in my mind. So you pass the guns it. And then it just starts going. I'm like, oh, praise God. My truck is just going. Just, just going. Thank you, Jesus. 
And then I, I, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. What do I do? What do I do? It's moving. Do I put it in neutral? Well, all of a sudden I hit the brakes and it does it again. I'm like, well, I think it's the brakes. But and I'm over there by the dialysis center and then the DPS. Now, I didn't want to pull into the DPS office. I love the DPS. God bless you. But I've been traumatized. And so I pull it into the DPS, all the tickets I've had in the past. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? So I'm praying, okay, God, but I'm too old to be stranded or stuck. I'm not that old, but I just, I, I ain't going out like that. So I'm thinking, okay, God, what do I put in reverse? It reverses. I'm like, well, it can't be the transmission. Come on, try it again, Jimbo. Come on, Jimbo. Come on, Jimbo. You can do it. So I push it. Pops again. Pow. This time it's like a grinding. Come on, you know, men, you're like, oh, good Lord, something. Something ain't right. But it popped again, and it started moving. I'm like, all I got to do is keep the truck moving. Like, if I keep it moving, like, I don't know, the Holy Ghost will stop it. Something will happen. So I turn the corner right there at Avenue Inn, right by B.F. Terry, and I'm going slow. I put the flashers. I'm going so slow, students are walking faster than I'm driving. They're just, what's, what's, up, what, what's, what's wrong with him? I'm like, Jesus, baby. Oh. Got a line behind me, beautiful truck. They just don't know something could fall apart at any moment. Pull into the Dream Center, I made it. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Same thing when I said, I call Sharonda, my assistant. Sharonda, Sharonda, Sharonda. Something's wrong with my truck. I need some help. And so she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's a break. I, I don't have a clue. Something's wrong. It's Just get somebody here. Find me a place. So she gets a tow truck there. Gonna be there in 20 minutes. I'm like, let's run. I can't be stuck. Come on, I gotta go with my boy's game. I just help me. So Tron did a miracle. She does it always. So they get there, and I'm like, hey, do you? He said, well, I said, I don't know. It just won't go. He said, well, well, turn it on, turn the wheel. Let me get under there. So it's a tow truck driver. He's looking around, looking around. Oh, I got it. I'm like, well, praise God, you got it. He said, oh yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. Look, it's 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 really simple. He said, what is it? He said, the bolt from your brake pad fell out. Look at the picture. So it fell out. That's what I said. See, it wasn't the Ford's fault. It was the mechanic's fault. Because the Ford wouldn't have done that. It wouldn't have stranded you out up on that road. That's user error. He said somebody didn't tighten it hard enough. And so it must have been when we were out in the sand at the beach or whatever, doing whatever. It got loose and it just came out. Isn't it amazing how something so little caused something so big to get stuck? Stop dead in my tracks. I think some of you have been stopped dead in your tracks. You're looking for this big thing. What's the big thing? And God's like, baby, it ain't a big thing. It's a little thing. You got to go to the root, not to the fruit. It's the little thoughts you've allowed to creep into your mind. The little thoughts that have caused you to be stuck right where you're at. And so this whole series is about, God, what's the thing? See, you, you're out there. It's, it's got to be out there. No, what's the little thing? What's the thing? That has caused me to be stranded, stuck where I'm at. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. Think about that, every thought. So, so just picture with me. This will take a lot of work. You know why people don't live the life God's called them to live? Because it's too hard. 
Look, if everybody could do it and it was easy, then everybody would do it. The Bible isn't talking about us doing things that are easy. The Bible's talking about us doing things that make us significant, that we can make an impact in eternity, that our lives would be lived in such a way that the world is different, that we populate heaven and depopulate hell. And let me tell you, that's not an easy thing. Why? Because the devil wants to plant seeds and thoughts in your mind that would cause you to stay stuck. And God said, look, take every. He didn't say some. He didn't say a couple. He said every. Is that possible? Well, if God said it, you can do it. That means what? That means you cannot allow anything you think to stay in your mind. The most dangerous time in your life is when you're sitting there with unfiltered, unguarded thoughts. I mean, think about this. I mean, it happens to all of us, right? Here we are. We're driving. I mean, just the other day, it was probably, probably about a month ago, this is where God was really speaking this to me, probably about a month and a half, two months ago. And I was driving, I'll never forget where I was at, I was down Benton Road, going to the exit we live over back in that area, and heading to Benton Road, go to, you know, Williams Way, go on the highway, and, and lo and behold, like I wasn't thinking about nothing, I was in my nothing box, but then some things started meddling in my nothing box, and I was frustrated at a situation earlier that day, and lo and behold, the enemy started putting thoughts. I started having an argument with someone that I was frustrated with. I was literally saying, nah, you don't know what you're talking about, uh uh-uh. and start telling them off. Now, I didn't say it out loud, but in my thought, I could feel my blood pressure rising up. I started to get a little more aggressive in my, my driving. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, and so I'm frustrated, and I'm sitting here, and I know how they're going to respond. And so then I know how I'm going to respond, and they're going to do what they always do, and I'm going to do what I always do. And then lo and behold, I've had this whole conversation. I get to the place where I see that person, and I'm mad at them. <laughs> like they didn't even do nothing. And I done convinced myself of this conversation that's not even real. And the challenge and the tragedy is maybe God in that moment was going to bring some healing. Maybe God in that moment was going to vindicate me. Maybe God in that moment was going to do a turnaround, a switcheroo. He was going to turn my life around. Come on, switcheroo, baby. And so he was going to turn it around. But I let the devil play with my thoughts and then I opened my mouth. And I ruined that whole moment. All because I was unfiltered in my thoughts. You can't have unfiltered thoughts. Now, I know most people do, but you ain't most people. You're the church. God needs the church to be vigilant, to be guarded, to say, hey, listen, I'm going to guard my heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life. Here's the last thing. I'm done. If you want to change your life, you got to change your thoughts. It's the only way to change your life. How come someone can go through a tragedy, devastating, horrible, and it derail their life for the rest of their lives? Come drug addicts, jail, prison, unproductive, alone, isolated. And then somebody else go through the exact same situation. And they didn't find themselves worse off, but that was the moment where God planted a seed, where they began a dream of how they were going to make a difference in the life of some other people, that this was a turnaround moment. It was an aha moment that, oh, I went through it, but I can help others Don't not go through it, or I can help others while they're in it. But I was thinking about a couple years ago, Phyllis and I were invited by Convoy of Hope to go on a cruise. We were in Europe cruising. Come on, somebody. I was like, praise God. Woo, it's awesome. 
It's where we visited the island of Malta. I actually have some really cool pictures. The, the impact that Paul made back then is still alive today. Church, Christians, think about one moment. Change the destiny of an island. See, your moment, you say, well, I, I'm not responsible for an island. No, but you're responsible for a family. You're responsible for your, your job. See, God's not going to hold you responsible for my mission field, but he will hold you responsible for yours. And so here we see that Hal Donaldson, in, in the whole cruise, it was amazing. He was telling us about his story and how Donaldson, when he was 12 years old, his parents were in a car wreck. His father dies. His mom becomes disabled, not forever, but for a short amount of time. And in that season, they were poor. They didn't have anything. They didn't have food. They didn't have clothes. They didn't have supplies. They didn't have nothing. And in that moment, friends and family began to come and bring clothing, come and provide food, come bring all the necessary supplies that they needed in that season. And, and, and how and his siblings said, man, the, the impact that it had in our life, I wonder if we could do that for other people, that others, that when they're going through a stressful, challenging time where something tragic has happened, can we feed them? Can we clothe them? Can we bring disease? disaster relief and so his family just got together and said I think we can do it and what started with one now they have impacted over 115 million people in 14 different countries and here's the amazing thing as a church we partner with Convoy of Hope when you give, you're a part of making that impact. When you give, a portion of our giving goes to help fund the disaster relief. And I thought about it. One person's pain leads to disaster. Another person's pain leads to ministry and life change. Change your thoughts. It's all about how you perceive it. And this is what I'm pumped about next week. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about paradigm. Some of you are stuck because of your subconscious thoughts, things you can't even, you've been in it so long, you can't even see it. And I believe God's going to break paradigms that have held you back, and not only you, but paradigms that you've gotten from your generations past, your parents and those that are around you. You break that paradigm, you change your life. And it all starts with your thoughts. Why don't you stand up with me? Don't go nowhere. Just stay, look, I'm a dismission. Just say, don't go nowhere. It's the most important part. Pastor, why you make this stand up? Because I want you to have some blood flowing through your body. That's right. Get all your stretches out. This is probably the most important thing. It's not about the word. I believe it touches us. It's your response to the word. Ushers, just hold it. I know nobody's leaving, but you just hold them in. Come on, if our kids can do it, we can do it. Come on, somebody. Father, we thank you. What do you want me to do, Pastor? I just want you to talk to God. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What is it that is resonating in my heart that, God, you would do something supernatural? Some of you have asked God to redeem your pain, but you've never surrendered that moment. Some of you have been focused on the wrong things. You realize, man, it's 80% negative. You might even be here right now saying it's probably 90, 95 It's day in, day out, day in, day out. The old saying, you are what you eat. No, you are what you think. So what I do, Pastor, this, this is the beauty of God. Hey, don't let nobody walk out. Ushers, just hold them back. Let them be mad at me. Well, what would I do, Pastor? This is what my mom told me a long time ago. The most freeing thing I've ever, 
ever, ever learned. All I got to do is repent. Why? Because you don't have the power to change you anyway. It says God gives us the grace to, and the desire to do his will. So somebody just repent right now. Say, God, I'm sorry. God, I, 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 I apologize. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. God, I'm asking you. There's an illumination. See, now you know. You didn't know before, but now you know. That's, that's the illumination of the word of God. And say, God, now I know. And, and God, now that your light has been illuminated, there's some areas that I need to repent of. And I'm sorry. Some of you holding on a fence, drinking that poison, expecting everyone else to die. And truly, you found yourself dying on the inside. Just forgive them. Father, I forgive them. I release them. Now, God, I'm asking you to do what you do. Lord, bring your grace. Bring your power. Holy Spirit, work as only you can. Fill every heart with strength and grace. Lord, we're not going to be stuck. We've recognized something so little can derail the dreams that are so big. God, we call it out. Devil, you're a liar. You're defeated. You will not stop God's church. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There's some of you here, you've never surrendered your life to God. You've never, I love to say it like saying yes to Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. So that's why Christians say it's salvation. Saved from what? The penalty of sin, which is death and eternal separation from God. Look, somebody, you got to know God didn't create hell because he's mad at people. That was for the devil and the fallen angels. Someone said, well, if we had such a loving God, why would he let people go to hell? He didn't let them go to hell. In fact, he loved them so much. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth. Why? So they give his life away. So that you could experience salvation. That's what he did, lived a sinless life. Died on the cross. And it says the blood of Jesus, that's the power. That's what saves us. He loves you so much he gave his son. People go to hell because they don't receive what God has done for them. And this is your moment to receive it. So salvation is a gift. Can't work for it. Can't deserve it or earn it. Nobody earns it. Nobody deserves it. But we can receive it. Say, by grace through faith. We mean, Pastor, just I believe. And if that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You said, I'm ready to surrender my life. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to go all in. Just as an act of surrender, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to pray that prayer with you. I'm all in. Yep, see you. Come on. Yes. Yes. Come on, that's me, Pastor. I'm all in. Yes. Yes. Church, tell them how proud you are. Say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. I need you. Save me. Wash away my sins. Forgive me of my past. I repent. I choose you. I reject me and receive you. All of you. Your gift of salvation. Right now. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.